Hello and welcome to episode 183 of Some Like It's Come. I'm your host, Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Shell. Today on the podcast, we experience puberty Pixar style with the animation studio's latest, the coming-of-age comedy, Turning Red. But first, how are you, Scott? Doing pretty well. It's been a nice weekend. It's been a nice uh, week, I'd say, actually. I, I saw a lot of foreign movies in the last week and a half, two weeks. A lot of Japanese movies, a French movie thrown in there as well. There might have been another one that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, I got my got my fair share of Toshiro Mifune over the last couple of weeks and, uh, you know, have some new, you know, amazing movies to add to my to my if I ever make a legitimate top 10 movies list <laughs> to actually put in there. Unlike what I, whatever we did for episode 100. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think I mean, Seven Samurai was amazing. Um, all three and a half hours of it was incredible. High and low was great. Um yeah, I'd recommend the guy. He's in, he's a he's a pretty cool actor, and he worked with a pretty great director in Akira Kurosawa. So, people have been saying that for about uh, 50, 60 years now. Uh, it might be time to check some of it out. Now, I've only seen High and Low, but um, yeah. have a couple on my movie watching challenge for this year that I plan on watching. Um, my my biggest so. regret is that I didn't see Seven Samurai before the Criterion sale. I would have totally bought Seven Samurai oh, yeah. on that Criterion Flash sale. Um, so I was, that. I've also, I've also been watching, I also watched a, a wonderful foreign movie this week with a couple with Paul, our, our, um, friends of the show, Paul and Zach, we have a like criterion, um, thing where we each like take turns, basically giving the others a criterion movie to watch. And so Paul just gave us Yasujiro Ozu's, uh, good morning, which, uh, wow, that is a delightful movie. If you haven't seen it, uh, Ozu definitely is another one of those filmmakers like Kurosawa who like I just I need to get more into and you know especially who likes to talk about Ozu a lot as his like major inspiration for getting into filmmaking who's that Oganata. yeah well I can totally see that and I, that's what I was going to say is after watching Good Morning like even just from one movie it just seems like he's very much at the same vibe as like as I am in terms of like the type of vibe that I like from directors so um yeah. yeah, Tokyo Story is like his magnum opus, so that's the one I want to check out. But like I said, I'm also got some Kurosawa in there to watch. I think I'm going to be watching Ron, and um, I, I haven't decided what the other one I'm going to pick yet is because there's a Kurosawa week, and I had wrote, written down Rashomon, but I might change it to watch Seven Samurai I, if I have the. Time. I think Seven Samurai is. I mean, they're such different movies. Like yeah. Seven Samurai is, a, is essentially a hangout movie for two and a half hours and then it's like an yeah. action for i mean it's the most hour. well regarded of all of his films seven samurai yeah. so i mean they, they all have ridiculously high ratings on letterbox they're all like, like oh, there's yeah. like, he has like three movies in the top 50 rated films of all time on letterbox yeah. or something like that the man knew what he was doing it has often been said um but yeah um amidst amidst all that we also watched turning red um <laughs> we also watched that's our movie, movie. Yeah, that that is our movie today. Uh, it's a Disney Plus exclusive, just as their last couple of films have been. Uh, Turning Red is the story of 13-year-old Mei Lin, voiced by Rosalie Chang, dealing with the struggles of adolescence, including a doting mother, voiced by Sandra Oh, an unrequited crush on the local gas station clerk, and the excitement of her favorite boy band soon visiting her hometown of Toronto. These conflicting emotions are just the beginning of the story for Maylin, however, because one morning she wakes up and discovers something shocking. She's been transformed into a giant red panda, an animal which is sacred to her family. 
Maylin soon learns from her mother that she is only the latest in her family to suffer this strange condition, and that the transformation is triggered whenever Maylin's emotions reach a heightened state. Fortunately for Maylin, the condition can be reversed with the help of a special ritual, but that ritual must be performed on a night where there is a red moon, and until that night comes, Maylin must avoid releasing the panda and sabotaging the ritual. Scott Turning Red, as with most Pixar films, is not just the simple story of a girl who turns into a panda, but a pointed coming-of-age dramedy about the struggle to embrace one's true self at a transformational time in life. Does it continue Pixar's recent hot streak, or is straight to Disney Plus where this slight animated fable belongs? I think it, in in many ways, I think it does continue the streak. I mean, maybe I haven't been as hot on all the movies in, in there in their recent trend, although I guess we're just really talking about soul Luca and then, and then this, I suppose, I mean, soul is one of my favorite movies from 2020. Luca was a fun summer film to, you know, to watch. And I, I certainly enjoyed watching it. I didn't think it was deeply profound, but it was, it was a good time. And I kind of feel the same about turning red. I think that there's, there probably are some nuggets of wisdom that are, that are quite profound in the film. I can't say that it's a film that, I'm going to keep thinking about for a long time, similar to Luca, but I do think that I had a really good time while watching it. I think that the animation was charming. I thought the whole red panda stick was great. Um, and the film just decides to like, kind of just do whatever in the last, you know, honestly, the whole second half of the film. And I just thought that was like, kind of great. <laughs> there was like, there was like some strange metaphors in there. Um, I mean, there's certainly the more obvious one about puberty and, and coming to terms with yourself. <laughs> There's like also some, maybe some just like kind of weird ones thrown in as so well. Very anime I'm... stuff like that happens. Sure. Yeah. There's, there's some, definitely some anime stuff go- going on with it, but I just like thought it was a good time. Like it was a good way to spend whatever, 90 minutes before credits, 92 minutes before credits, whatever it was like, it, it was a good time. I enjoyed it. It's not going to be one that, you know, we get to the end of the year and I'm probably still going to be thinking about. Um, but overall I enjoyed it. I thought the voice acting was solid. I thought the ideas were, were fairly original for Pixar that they were exploring some different themes. And that's probably because they have, you know, a brand new director who hasn't directed a feature film for them before um, with clearly a particular visual style in mind. And a, what I imagine is a, is a deeply personal story for her. So I think that's great. And I, this is the baseline level of quality that, you know, even if Pixar only made movies of this quality in my mind for the rest of their existence, like I would still enjoy their movies every single time they came out, even if, it wouldn't be penetrating the upper echelon of Pixar for me. Yeah. I mean, as to like the question of whether it continues its hot streak, which yeah, you know, Luca soul uh, onward, even, you know, right. Going back to onward, right. One of the last movies before the pandemic, which was surprisingly wonderful. Um, That movie like took me by complete surprise at the time. Um, Yeah. You know, they have been on a hot streak. And I guess, again, to answer the question of whether it continues with turning red, I would say yes, but I would say lowercase y, lowercase e, lowercase s. You know, like this is not a a glowing, um, absolutely, this is, you know, right on the same tier as those films. Like, again, even Luca, right? Luca was like, it was a light film. It was like not as... It was a summer movie. As existential as something like Soul or Inside Out is going for, right? Um, Sure. It uh, it it was what it was, but I thought what it you know what it was trying to be, it excelled at. Um, those movies, though, like 
Luca and Onward, you know, the throw, the term like minor Pixar gets thrown around because I think Pixar movies are such generally just uh, generally so high regard, highly regarded. And like you said, Scott, like there's just like almost a baseline level of quality that you just expect from a Pixar movie. Like you just you you flip one on and you expect you're going to watch like at least a three and a half star movie, probably. Um, yeah. That's just what you've come to expect from them. Um, For sure. And I guess this is the one of those movies that doesn't like go significantly above that baseline level of quality at times. Um, this is the like again they they've thrown those words that phrase around minor Pixar to refer to like Onward and Luca, but this one is the one I think of more as minor Pixar. And I think this the problem is that central metaphor of turning into the panda. I think it gets a little muddled as to what exactly it is trying to represent. Now we know it's like trying to represent growing up as a whole, I guess, like in going through puberty specifically again um, for a, for a female too. Like the gender aspect is definitely very important to the movie and what is going on, but it just, it takes it down like several different paths. Like at first you think it's going to go towards like a period metaphor, right? I mean, turning red is, you know, yeah. ob the oh. obvious connotation there. Um, and like when she first turns into the red panda, like her mom starts like giving her like tampons and all this stuff, like, you know, basically responding to that and like encouraging it and, oh, it's a good thing and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, no, wait, actually, this is this, you know, a curse or whatever that we have to try and suppress. Um, and it becomes more about heightened emotion i guess excitement whatnot and like i said i think it just it takes it to some c confusing directions it, it gets a little muddled as to what the transformation yeah. into the panda is trying to represent and what do the other characters think about that because again like the mother when she thinks it's just like the period or whatever she's like fine she's encouraging about it whatever but then when it when no when it turns into be uh, when it turns out to be more of a symptom of like you know, again, talking about like this heightened level of emotion or whatever, it's it, her, her viewpoint on it changes. Now, I like yeah, where I, the movie eventually takes that idea in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think there are some bumps along the journey of like, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess to, to, to me, it, it sort of I'm represents like there. just embrace like womanhood, like capital W, like everything that can or or, or you would want to it for it to encompass. And it's, I think there is a notion of like, okay, part of that is the very physical signs of puberty. Part of that is like the emotionality that is associated with being a woman, um, which I think it tries to dissect to varying degrees of success. And then there's also this element of like that, that I think you haven't mentioned yet, but I think is sort of half, I almost want to say half heartedly thrown in. That's this idea of like, I mean, I think one of the main character literally screams like my panda, my choice at one point yeah. and there's this whole idea of like being able to embrace your Which own is kind of an eye rolly moment I have and say. make your own choices kind of thing and i think that those are all fair things although i do totally and, and that sort of all bundles up towards this like higher level idea of of this this panda for may lynn is is her womanhood and, and does she embrace it or does she sort of push that down and conform to like what she believes her family or the society wants her to be. And, and I think that there's, again, maybe different elements of that have varying levels of success. But I, I do think ultimately that's what the 
that's what the movie is going for. I, I think it gets a bit muddled. If we're talking, I guess we're talking some spoilers here. It does get a bit muddled when you have this notion of like her mother is like kind of ends up being, or especially her mother's panda kind of ends up being like the villain of the, the movie. Villain, if there yeah. is such a thing, um, which I thought and, muddles the narrative a little bit, but. And also, know. you know, there's like a very positive affirming message of like, release your panda or whatever. Um, except except who end. you are is essentially what it is. Yeah, yeah, but also it's like she's kind of being exploited for like the, the way that we see the panda being used like throughout most of the movie is like other people using it as like a showpiece, right? Like as like, oh, you need to come well, to her my birthday to party that. and be like that. Yeah, yes, but I, I don't know. It's like it, it's almost like it is characterizing her womanhood, if that's what we're going to say, the transformation into the panda is as like monetizable. Something. Something to be, yeah, like singled out and yeah, monetizable. Maybe, uh, if if you want to take it all the way, I mean, that is literally what she's doing in, yeah, you know, the middle the middle third of the movie. She's monetizing, yeah, which is a, which is a little bit of a strange. I I don't want to go too far down that road, I guess, for a a children's movie, but uh, but that's not really a children's movie, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, Pixar has long surpassed like being making children's movies, but you know, it certainly asks an interesting question about the idea of like you can sell your body if you want to. That, that very much feels like the position of the film. Yeah, which, um, okay. Yeah, sure. That's just a little interesting, I guess, to be putting that in a, in this movie. But um, it seems, it seems thematically my, consistent, though, with, with, with it to me. Well, all to my point again about, I think it gets a little muddled. And like the My Panda, My sure. Choice stuff or whatever, like, I feel like... Um, that that isn't what the movie that that isn't what i thought the movie was trying to say until like we got to that point at the end like i didn't really again yeah. i didn't really see them playing too heavily into this pro choice type angle along the journey i saw it more as being about the emotion right because really that is what triggers the the panda and i see what you're saying about yeah the physical is obviously part of that and that's why we have this stuff about her having her period and everything um yeah. But I, I ultimately, I guess I'm just uh, having trouble with again and getting a little the physical and emotional aspects of it kind of blurring together to where it's hard to to say what the panda is kind of supposed to represent and what like the kind of contradictory perspectives that the other characters seem to have on in a, in a way. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear where you're coming from. I think for me, like I said, it sort of rolls up to this like larger idea that encompasses a lot of different like sub themes around. Again, I don't need to repeat myself, but just around womanhood. And I do think like the fam, like it, I, I guess I'm still trying to make sense of how the other pandas sort of play into this. Because if, if hers was the only panda in the movie, right? The only one that you see, at least the only one that like has a role. I think it's like really I think the message is is more clear, but then when you bring in, you know, her mother is like Godzilla panda, and well, stuff right. like, yeah, and, uh, it, it seems a little end, bit weird. Like maybe it's the idea of like her panda wouldn't have been so bad if she just embraced it rather than trying to fight it. But like that's not a clear that's not clearly messaged in the movie to me. Um, and at the know. end, it's like, okay, she finally her mom starts unleashing the panda a little bit. And then going back to like the monetization thing, right? At the end, they're like using the panda to basically like attract more people to their temple, like the, the temple where they are like working at, right? Like 
that is yeah. kind of what we see at the end which like again if we're taking like that as being like monetizing your body or whatever the fact that the movie ends up with the mom and the daughter like doing this side by side uh is a little troublesome i guess if that's where we're carrying the metaphor out to but um yeah so so i guess my point is and and like again you know her mom's an older woman so like what is releasing her panda in a positive way at the end like what is that supposed to mean what is that supposed to represent exactly uh um, I, I joked that it was something like menopause like full circle kind yeah of thing, maybe. i don't think that that's i don't think that that's i don't i don't know if that's really what the movie's going for yeah i i don't know either again i, I think there are just a little some unanswered questions it wasn't as clean and precise with the storytelling and the metaphor again, as it could have been. Um, so that, and that was my overall problem because otherwise I did, you know, I enjoyed it. It's a pleasant movie. You're right. It goes by pretty quickly. It's like 88 minutes. I think if you take the credits out, I really liked these songs actually that are in the movie, the, the boy band, uh, four town, which is the boy band that she's, she likes. Yeah. What's There's a couple making, songs that we, what's that making fun of in sync? Backstreet sure Boys. What, I mean, I, I just boy bands in general, I think. I don't yeah. know that it's supposed to be a particular one, but there's a couple songs that get repeated throughout the film. Um, yeah. Especially towards the end, they actually like play one to like unite everyone you know, when they're in the stadium. Um, and they're actually really catchy songs. Like, I don't know who wrote the songs or anything. Ludwig Gordson did the score, but. Um, uh, well, uh, you know, well, oh, you, you don't know who wrote the songs? You want me to tell you? Who do you think? Who do you think? Do I want it? Do I yeah, want yeah, that? Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. I don't know. Harry Styles or something. Harry Styles. No. Billy Eilish and Phineas O'Connell. There you go. That's why they're good songs. Wow. I had yeah. no idea. There we go. Learning yeah, yeah, something yeah. on the podcast. I love it. Um, but yeah, uh, they're good. They they slap. And that that was one of the highlights of the film for sure. Uh, I, I watched a little bit of the opening or the ending credits just because there was one of the songs playing over it. So um, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, Scott, do you want to say anything about the voice cast here? The, you know, Rosalie Chiang, as I mentioned, voices um, Mei Lin. The two names which are like somewhat notable are Sandra Oh, who's her mother, and then Ryan Lee, who is her father. Um, I thought everyone turned in pretty solid. I thought it was hilarious that Ryan Lee was exceptional. In Sorry. Just thought it was so random yeah. and hilarious that he was in this. Nice to see him pop up in something again, though, since first cow being the last time we saw him um in which he was quite good but yeah no i thought that this was these were good performances nothing like nothing like really exceptional voice work or anything for me um Agreed. but uh yeah i don't think it's really calling for that i think everyone embodied their character pretty well i think like i don't know may lynn but this is by design like i think may lynn is a little like grating in some moments um, maybe especially like early on, but I think, again, I think that's part of it, I guess, is like learning to embrace all of the warts and everything that come with, um, this transformational period in her life. Um, so I get, yeah. you know, thematically it's consistent. Um, but yeah, I thought all of her friends, I don't know who the, um, voices were there, but they're all um, like, I thought people who have never acted before. I was like, yeah, up, I mean, I, all, I didn't recognize yeah. any of them. But that was one of my favorite aspects of the movie, I think, was her like relationships with her friends and the idea that when she needs to calm down the panda, right? And like, you know, again, 
smooth out, level out her emotion. She -hmm. thinks about like the people who she cares about the most, which are her friends. And the, the group of friends are like, I like, I liked all of those characters. I thought they were at, they added color to the whole thing. Um, even though again it's like again just twisting sort of the logic into a pretzel here of like well she like suppresses the panda by thinking about positive thoughts but also like unleashing the panda is supposed to be a positive thing um i guess maybe it's supposed to be like a balance of the two but um you know you're you're not, she's it. not supposed to be going full panda all the time i guess is not really what the movie's saying at the end but yeah you know um, you, you got a panda in moderation it just it, if you just play this conversation back in a vacuum like with nobody with people not actually even knowing what the movie is like it's gonna sound <laughs> yeah. so weird what we're talking about like unleashing yeah. your panda and all this stuff but yeah that's um, what it's all about man yeah it, anything you want to say about the voice cast cop Look, nothing. I think everyone just gives solid jobs. Like no one stands out. Like Sandra O oh is probably. I mean, it was really the only noticeable voice. I mean, like seeing Orion Lee in the voice, I would never have picked him out in this movie. Yeah, if I you know hadn't looked it up. Um, it's just solid, right? Like it's it's not it's not standout, and it's not like either direct. It's not standout in a good way or a bad way, which I think is exactly what this kind of movie needs. Because I think this movie is really about the themes and the subject matter, or at least trying to be a lot more than it's about like these really sort of rangy performances, you know, that you might see in something like soul, where I think that the voice performances are really important to something like that. Um, and to some extent, even a movie like onward, I think relies a lot more on its, on its yeah, voice. Chris Pratt was great in that. Yeah. I mean, the guy's voicing everything. It was so good in that, that he's voicing every animated character now um, ever. I mean, he so was so great. Like, and as Emmett, as Emmett in the Lego movies too, obviously, but I mean, the guy, the guy's Mario for goodness sake. So, He's uh he's not he's not stopping now with his voice work. Um Mario, but yeah, Mario. Like, I, exactly. Yeah. But I, I just think I think it's solid all around. If you asked me who the standout was, I don't even think I could give you someone. Like may like maybe I mean I guess May Lynn in a way, but that, that's just it's not something that really I've even thought about that much. I'm, I mean what take take your you know, take that for what it's worth. it's not something that I thought about too much. Yeah, um, that I, I agree with all that. Um, I, I and, and on Orion Lee, um, I think the uh, maybe the best scene in the movie, if skipping ahead to that, but sure. is the like scene that he and like the little heart to heart that he and Malin have towards the end, because he's kind of like in the background for most of the movie, right? And it's kind mm-hmm. of you know again because he's like the one significant male character who's part of all of this he's kind of just letting all of it play out letting his wife handle it and whatnot um sure and there's a moment at the end where he watches this video of her like goofing off as the panda and that's kind of the like crux of the movie like the scene where it like switches into her her mindset changes about the panda because her dad uh, ryan lee's character sits her down and is like hey i actually like seeing you like this like you know watching you expressing yourself um you know feel like you're fully being yourself when you're this panda or whatever don't let people tell you that it was necessarily a bad thing because i liked seeing you like that and then she's like you know what i liked it too and that's kind of when uh you know things shift and we get into the third act um 
and this whole like sort of battle that goes on at the stadium. Yeah, I you know I could take or leave the battle. I guess I thought I mean the animation style oh, I thought that was, was fun. Was good. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, the animation style was good in general, but you know my feelings on like okay, yes, of course they are like anthropo anthropomorphized like pandas or whatever who can talk and have human attributes and whatnot. But it's just like I don't get like excited or that involved about like two giant mystical things like just kind of beating each other up in the stadium or whatnot again using two giant things one of them is godzilla size and the other is human sized <laughs> look we reviewed godzilla versus kong last year you you remember my thoughts on that um sure i, I would just it's say not, it's not like maylin's panda was 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 kong over here <laughs> it was a small panda well kong bows to no man and no panda either so yeah. it's important to to remember that Maybe. um Major key. But no, it, it it was fine. Like, it didn't bother me or anything. It just, like, you know, for that to kind of be, like, I, I, again, I, Pixar, I wait for, like, that emotional catharsis, like, towards the end. Even, like, the Mitchells versus the Machines, which wasn't Pixar, right? But, like, was Definitely. a great animated movie from last year. Um, yeah. It had, like, that, like, that's what I wait for at the end. And I feel like we got that right in that scene with... Um, but it's not the end of the heard at and may Lent, but it's not the end of the movie, right? Like there's yeah. this whole battle that happened. So that was kind of what took me out know, of it. Man. It's you, kind you of got one panda action climax. The killing blow for Godzilla Panda is another panda twerking. Look, I mean, I, I am out on twerking after Glenn Close twerking at the Oscars last year. I've still not recovered from that. So um, <laughs> fair enough. Can't blame you for that. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add here, Scott, about turning red? Uh, I mean, you know, fairly short conversation, but um, I feel like there's not a whole lot to say. Again, it's a breezy 88 minutes. It doesn't have the uh, amount of uh, <laughs> topics to cover as we did last time with the Batman, certainly. Yeah, I, I do want to, I guess, give this a little bit more time to to say, I, I like I do think like one of the things we haven't talked about in addition to all this, like there's the obvious themes, but there's also this really, I think, Im important part of the film that's just about like your relationship with your parents in general. Um, one with your I mean, the dad relationship is maybe a sweeter one, but more acutely, I think relationships with with, you know, your you know, your daughter, your relationship with your mother. And I think that that's going to be a theme that that resonates with a lot of people. You know, we don't have that because, you know, we're, we're men. <laughs> so like, obviously, we don't have that same relationship with our moms. But I think that it's a really important relationship to the movie that does get a lot of airtime, especially in that last in the last half of the film. So overall, I think that's something worth calling out. It, it's it sort of plays second fiddle to the to the broader themes we've already discussed, but discussed. But I think that it's also still an important one for the film. And a lot of part of accepting her panda and embracing her panda is also like coming to terms with her relationship with her mother and understanding what that means for her life and the rest of her life and how to balance those things. I mean, the, the film kind of opens uh, even with this notion of like, she has to balance, you know, her personal life and her life with her mother, you know, running this temple. So I think it is a pretty important part of the film. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good way of putting it. Cause like, you know, in the end, I think they come to appreciate each other more like the mom appreciating, you know, this more expressive emotional side of Maylin and Maylin appreciating more about like her family legacy and what her mother has been through. And I mean, there's this whole like sort of scene where she speaks to her mother, like as a, when her mother was the same age as she yeah, was in the forest. Um, yeah. 
yeah, see that she's experiencing the same thing. So I think that's a good way of putting it. And yeah, that, that is, again, that's one, another one of the strongest aspects of the movie. Um, yeah, I think the, the relationships between the characters are strong. Um, yeah. it's just yeah. the overall thematic cohesiveness that doesn't necessarily always come together for me. I think that's fair. That's all I got. All right. All right. Favorite scene or moment from turning red. Yeah, I really, in terms of sweet moments, I think you sort of called it out. Um, I do think it is that moment with the with the father. But I also think there's like a pretty funny montage, um, sort of like montage sequence in the middle of the film where, you know, she's she's sort of in, she's learned to embrace her panda outside of the home. Um, and she's sort of coming to terms with that. And I think there's a lot of cool, funny gags that happen with that. There's one in the bathroom that I thought was pretty funny um, with like sort of the first girl when she realized that, you know, oh, this might be something that we might be able to sell sell this to in order to pay our way to this four town concert which i thought was pretty funny um but yeah there's there's several good scenes in there and that definitely the one with the dad is is probably the one that hit home the most for me but if i had to pick another one yeah uh it's probably the scene with the dad for me like i said or you know again just the songs in general they're used throughout the movie was was good when that there's a scene early on when um Baylin's friends are trying to get her to come do karaoke with them. And yeah. um, they engage in a little sing along out on the street of one of the songs. And that's that was a lot of fun. That was good vibes. So I'll shout out that moment. Let's put a score on it. Uh, what oh, do you give Turning Red out of 10? Uh, I give it a solid 6.9. You know what? I'll just let's make it completely nice. Let's just make these scores totally nice because this is a nice movie. So 6.9 as well. Nice. Um, with that, Scott, we will be right back. And when we return, we're going to be talking about the latest from awards season and our Oscar predictions. We're just a couple weeks away from the Oscar, Scott. So we're finally going to, um, call our shots and hopefully win you some money in your, uh, resident Oscar pools. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Welcome back to this episode of Some Like It, Scott. Scott, uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time doing our Oscar predictions here in a second. Uh, but I want to just hit some of the latest highlights uh, from award season really, really quickly. Um, the BAFTAs were today, the British version of the Oscars. Uh, Power of the Dog took home Best Picture. I did see that Troy Kotzer also won for um, CODA, Best Supporting Actor, maybe perhaps further strengthening his um, kind of revitalized campaign here that had you know it's really come alive for him in the past few awards shows i'm not sure what one who won in the leading categories um scott will smith I, I didn't okay. won for best actor and then it was the the woman from after love won for best gotcha. actress gotcha gotcha um so will smith again another one who's pretty i mean pretty much 100% locked in at this point is going to win. Um, Scott, not really in terms of Oscar implications, but just in terms of interesting um, implications. The the uh, Indie Spirit Awards um, were also last week. Um, you know, what 
people like us would probably say a better version of the Oscars, at least more universally good films getting um, honored. Uh, the best overall film went to uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal for her film, The Lost Daughter. She also won for director and screenplay. Um, in the leading actor categories, Simon Rex, uh, you know, obviously a big fan of that performance. Um, I think yeah. both of us are in Red Rocket. Um, I listened to the A24 actor. podcast last week with Simon Rex. And I've listened to Paul a little Mescal. bit of it. Yeah. Did you? I not Simon, not Paul. I don't Paul know. Mescal. I don't think I liked Simon Rex very much on that podcast, to be honest. You said Paul Mescal. It's uh, it's the guy oh, from right. uh, Euphoria. Sorry, it's Angus Cloud. Fast. It's Angus yeah. Cloud. Angus Euphoria. Cloud, yeah. Paul Mescal had one with Honor Swinton Byrne earlier. That was really that was a really good episode. I thought that you I know, thought that Simon Rex just needed to like shut up a little bit in that episode. Interesting. Well, honest. maybe he's maybe he's playing himself in Red Rocket. Then who knows? Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe it's not as an impressive a performance as we thought. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm he was kidding. he is a former uh, but, porn star too. So there you go. Yeah. Then the uh, the leading actress went to uh, Taylor Page for her performance in Zola. Um, which was cool to see. Um, I don't recall specifically who won the supporting categories um, off the top of my head. I think Troy Kotzer did win for Best Supporting Actor as well. Um, but uh, yeah. a special right. award was given to Mass, which I liked seeing. Um, that was that was cool. Just recognize. I, I don't exactly know like what the criteria for the award was, but the whole cast and Fran Kranz were there and they accepted the award. So um, that was great as well. Indie Spirit Awards, they're doing it right. Um, Ruth Nega so, won for passing. Ruth Nega, that's right. Um, so yeah, a lot of great, you know, four great performances that won there in the acting categories. I don't know if we're going to be able to say that after the Oscars. Uh, but Scott, what we can do is say what we think is going to happen at the Oscars. So we're going to run through the the big seven categories here and kind of give our thoughts on who's going to win. Again, some of them are pretty much confirmed. I think we'll probably be going with the chalk on those, but a few others are up in the air. Scott, let's start with Best Supporting Actress. This is one of those that I think is um, chalk. Do you see that there is any way that Ariana DuBose is not going to win this award? In Best Supporting Actress, uh, I think that there is approximately 0% chance that anyone else wins this award besides Ariana DeBose. And it, I'm sorry, it blows my, I mean, like I, it was a great, it was a really good performance. I think it's like the third or fourth best performance in the movie, which is what blows my mind the most probably um, about this. So I think it's, it, it does feel pretty uh, as locked as Will Smith is into win. Um, but maybe even more so than Will Smith. I feel like I'm just a little bit surprised that this is, that it's just so, it's such a clear, it's just it's just, it's it seems so clearly painted on the on the wall at this point, which you know I'm just a little surprised by. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. Like it, um, it's it's a little disappointing, not because it isn't a good performance, but because um, you know, again, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I, we've seen this performance before. I feel like from Rita Moreno, like I don't. <laughs> it literally won an award before. Not to be disrespectful, but like I don't know that she was doing like a whole lot different. It's a great performance. It's also maybe a great character. Maybe that's what we're learning from this. Um, sure. But I also hope that this is not them like saying, "West Side Story, we're going to throw you. This is your award, right? That congratulations, you win." Because I mean, I think it deserves some technicals. I think it deserves costume design. I think it deserves cinematography. If we're being quite honest, for Janusz Kaminski, um, mm. I, I think it does maybe. deserve some below the line awards. 
for, for me. It's hard when so you're up against Dune like in all those on all those categories. It is, but I don't know. I kind of think I kind of think the cinematography might be more impressive than West Side Story. I don't know. Yeah, they don't um, have any they don't have any giant sandworms the, in West Side Story. That's the big thing missing. The world building and everything is amazing at Dune, but like I don't know. Um, that the the visuals are the visuals in West Side Story are just more of my kind of visuals. I guess that's ultimately what it comes sure. down to. They're so like alive and vibrant and everything, whereas Dune it's, has it's, all it's this great like, cinematography, neutral, brutalist stuff going on. Yeah, but it's it's great for like what it is doing. Obviously, yeah, I think both Dune and West Side Story are fantastic. I mean, uh, you're not going to hear any slander from me about West Side Story cinematography. Although, yeah, what, who's going to win costume design, Scott? I know we're not doing this one. Is is it going to be Cruella? Is Cruella going to win? Is it going to be design? Cruella? It it could be. I think it. I think didn't it win at something else recently? Um, it, it, I think it won the cost. Whatever the guild is, whatever the guild award. I mean, about, I think it is won. a movie built around costumes and needle drops, basically. Yeah. So, um, but it's not as period piece like Cyrano is. Needle drops. Yeah, uh, but I, I don't know. There's some good candidates in costume design. Because, I mean, uh, Dune is in there, too, right? I mean, I think Dune has yeah. good costumes. Nightmare Alley obviously. and West Side Story. Nightmare Alley, sure. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd still give it to West Side, but um, it's a good category for sure. Um, yeah. Also, Jane Campion just won the Critics' Choice Award for Best Director, so good for Jane Campion. But we'll get there uh, in a moment, Scott. Best Supporting Actor. Um, sure. It's down. To, it's a two-horse race. It's Troy Kotzer, and it's... Cody Smith McPhee. Scott, do you stand by your prediction <laughs> that Cody Smith McPhee is still in the driver's seat? I don't know. I'm wavering. <laughs> I've wavered <laughs> over the last week. I don't want to say I told you so, but uh, do I do I stick with it to be interesting? I'm I'm wavering mainly because I think it's just so clear that Jane Campion is going to win Best Director, which we can get to in a moment, and I think. I think that they're also Power of the Dog is a clear favorite for Best Picture. And the Academy, truth be told, has done a pretty good job of spreading awards around in the last, you know, five years or so. And in spite of CODA winning Best Adapted Screenplay at the BAFTAs earlier today, I think that that's very unlikely at the Oscars for them to win Best Adapted Screenplay. I hope. So I, so, yeah. so I think Troy Kotzer is going to win this. Like, I just feel like you get a free pass for giving this award, uh, award to him. Um, even though I don't think it's the best perform, best supporting performance of the year. Um, but there we go. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I guess a, it, I'm, I've, I've talked myself into saying Troy Kotzer is going to win for yeah. best supporting actor. It's a great, it, I, I think it would be a good choice. I mean, Coda is not a movie that I really think needs to be winning that many awards, but if it has to win one, this is probably the one I would pick. I mean, it's a nice performance. I think this is, um, you know, obviously it's going to get the audience on everyone's side. It's uh, like on the Academy side. It's going to be a nice, like positive, uplifting moment, hearing impaired actor winning, feel good movie. You know, oh, yeah. it's Academy has to pat themselves on the back somehow. Yeah, I mean, I could totally see this being, the yeah. you know, they usually give out this a supporting actor or actress as the very first award on the show. I could totally see them opening up the show. Although, again, last year we learned they probably don't know who's actually winning, but maybe they have remedied that this year after what happened <laughs> last year. But I could totally see them opening up the show with Troy Kotzer winning just to get everyone in like a good jovial mood. Isn't it usually supporting uh, actresses the first one? I thought it was the same every year. 
I want to say they switch, but I could they be switch? wrong. Okay. Maybe they though, switch. Scott, what we do know is they're not going to be opening the show with that because they're going to be opening the show an hour earlier with the five technical awards. So F you Academy. Um, you think that you think they're fully committed the to doing that? You, you, are they going to change that? You think? I think it's too late. Don't you? I mean, we're like a couple weeks away now. I, why does that matter? No, it's not too late, man. They can send it. I guess they can it do whatever they want. But I, I don't know. That's I'd be surprised. Uh, I think they're, yeah, uh, you know, they haven't backed down yet. Scott, I, they're hundred percent going to open the show. This... What were you thinking? They're going to open with the fan favorite award. Malignant's oh, going to win yeah. an Oscar as the with, opening. No, as with the opening. Uh, Cinderella is going to win. But uh, oh my god. But yeah, um, I'm with you, Scott. I think it's going to be Troy Kotzer. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the tide has has truly turned on this one. And, you know, I guess it's a shame for Cody Smith-McPhee, but also he's very young. He will have his chances. I'm sure he's going to get a lot of roles off the back of Power of the Dog. Troy Kotzer has been a working actor for like 20 years and really hasn't gotten the recognition probably that he deserves. I don't know. I don't even know what other kind of projects he's been doing. But, I think he hasn't um, probably gotten any roles in the past 20 years. He's a He's a journeyman actor, so it would be cool to see him. Sure. get this award so it, it would be a nice moment like i said and i hope that you know i was saying i hope that they don't give west side story and say okay that's it you got your award west side story i kind of hope they do do that with coda i kind of hope they do give it to troy kotzer and say all right there you go coda you got your award um because i always, don't really want always wants it both ways else. yeah i'm too picky i know but what can i do i'm a man of my principles um all right, Scott, uh, let's move on to the category, which is definitely most up in the air as of now. Best oh actress. Flip your coin and decide. Flip your five-sided coin and decide who you think is going to win this, Scott. Yeah. I wish I had a five-sided dice with me, actually. That probably would be a good way to choose this. Uh, Scott, I'm just going to say I have no idea, and Olivia Coleman's going to win her third Oscar. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea, and Olivia Coleman will win it. I, uh, I think... I would love that if Olivia Coleman won. I think it's probably the best performance in the category. Um, it between her and Kristen Stewart, probably. I, 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 you know, Kristen Stewart would actually probably be my personal choice at the end of the day, but um, just because it would be cool to see her win. But yeah, Scott, you know what? I'm going to ride the wave of Tammy no, Faye, and I'm going to say gonna that it. Jessica Chastain is going to get her moment. There's some crazy recency like bias are... on this one. There, there is. But like I said, yeah. I still think recency bias, like you have to take recency bias into account in, in award season. I mean, we've seen this time and time again. If you don't take recency bias into account, then people back in 2018 would have still been thinking that A Star is Born was going to win Best Picture. You know, like that was the front runner for a while. And then like 2019, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was. But I'm just saying Jessica Chastain only won awards like this weekend. It's not that's not the same as A Star is Born. Yeah, but I think because the the category has been so up in the air, right? Like it's not like a it's not like a supporting actor situation, right? Where like Cody Smith McPhee was winning everything. Um mm -hmm. he legitimately was winning everything before, and then all of a sudden Troy Kotzer has kind of caught on. P different people have been winning stuff. It's been all over the map. Kristen Stewart won a lot of the critic circles, Nicole Kidman won the Golden Globe. Uh um, you know. Jessica Chastain won the SAG award. Uh, it's just been completely up in the air. And so for that reason, I don't really know. I don't really have anything else to go off of except yeah. recency bias and say the well, last the, person you can to go win off, a major You can go award. off what the Oscar has awarded and treated well in the past, and that is Olivia Coleman. 
Sure, sure. And I'm not counting her out, certainly. Uh, I'm not yeah. counting anyone out, really. But Oh, I'm just um, making an argument for her. I'm not saying you are. I'm just I'm just making Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and, th and that's a fair argument. Um, I just think she hasn't won anything. So I, it would, you know, I appreciate, appreciate you going for out on a limb. I think it's a, um, a bold uh, claim, maybe. Again, the only thing bolder would be Penelope really Cruz claim, winning this. But, yeah, probably. Uh, Probably. I don't know. Does Kristen Stewart have any chance, do you think? I, I, I do think she has a chance, but I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. Well, I don't care. I'm encouraged to see that. Uh, and uh, The Power of the Dog has just won Best Picture at the Critics' Choice Awards. So there you go. Uh, best Actor, Scott, um, who is going to win this? Is it Will Smith? I mean, any chance he doesn't. Last year, this way. was the big shocker award. But I think, you know, it even still, like you could, you could see how they got Anthony Hopkins. I don't know that there's any other possibility that I can really see this year like that. Yeah, last year was such a weird year. I can't even. I mean, you say you could see it with Anthony Hopkins, and I, I could, I can certainly see it with Benedict Cumberbatch and everyone loving Power of the Dog. The thing, the thing is, like, I mean, I, I know Florian Zell. Did they? It won screenplay as well, right? The father did. Did it? It won. Yeah, they won adapted screenplay. Right? Screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was gonna say it wasn't winning any other award. That's not that's not correct. I just think that there's it, it it hurts it hurts Cumberbatch that the power of the dog is going to sweep, you know, director and best picture probably like I mean, look, I guess I'm foreshadowing what my picks are gonna be in those categories, but like I think it's more than likely that those uh, that's gonna fall Jane Campion and then the producer's way there for the power of the dog. But and I think that that and everyone in the back of everyone's mind and they're going down their ballot. It's just like, you know, it's a career Oscar for Will Smith. And it's a good performance. I think it's like really easy to say that it's like not a good, not a good performance and get lost in sort of like the sort of averageness of the movie overall. It is a really good performance. It's not what I'd prefer Will Smith to win an Oscar for. And I don't think the performance is an Oscar, like should be an Oscar winner, but I would bet money that it will be an Oscar winner on you know, the 27th or whatever day it is. I don't remember. Yeah, it, it's it's a fine performance. Probably not even the best one that Will Smith has given, but... Um, no, no, I... I that, yeah, and that's what I meant. If I didn't say that, that's what I meant to say. Like, it's not yeah. the w performance I wish that Will Smith would win an Oscar for. Yeah, I mean, I, it feels harsh, I guess, to compare it to, like, other biopic performances that have won recently, like... Renee Zellweger or Rami yeah, that, that feels a bit unfair to me. I mean, granted, I didn't see Judy, but yeah, uh, it's it's but, better than than Remy Malek's performance in Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's hard not to just lump these performances in though and say real people. You win an I, Oscar yeah, so when you play a real person. The, the big problem is that the Oscar, not that Will Smith is a boring choice to win an Oscar, but the fact that like every Oscar winner for the last five years, <laughs> obviously this is an exaggeration, but like has been a real care, like a real person. Like, that's just so boring to me. Like, come on guys. I mean, I little know, literally yeah, last year, Anthony Hopkins wasn't a real person. Like I understand that, but it just seems like there's so many people winning awards for playing real people. There's already less of an incentive than ever to like make original films, like because of the box office and the state sure. of cinema being what it is. Yeah. Why are we giving additional reasons? Right. Like that. You can't even win an Oscar if you do this, like, it's it's disappointing. 
I don't know what else to say. But unfortunately, the Oscar um, doesn't really move the needle for theater. So those things are like completely disconnected points. Um, but yeah, I, I know. But it's like awards are still something that is going to continue getting these movies made is what I'm saying. True. A movie yeah. like The Power of the Dog, right? Yep. With which has the nominee uh, <laughs> with Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, so well, and know, we can just again, ask Sam Elliott that, that, that not only is Power of the Dog a fictional film, but it's not even real cowboys. They're not real cowboys. So. Yeah, that is true. I don't, I don't know what they were even thinking. Um, only Tombstone has real cowboys. Only real cowboy movie that's ever been made. But, um, but yeah, okay, Scott. Uh, speaking of the power of the dog, Jane Campion has. Does she have best director locked up? You think anyone could steal it from her? Could uh, Kenneth Branagh or a uh, Steven Spielberg maybe sneak in there? I would be surprised. I I mean, I've, yeah. I've been saying this for several categories now when I've talked about Power of the Dog, but I do think that it is Jane Campion's um, to lose. And I think <laughs> Sam Elliott has more or less guaranteed that it's a slam dunk win for her because not only did he make himself look like an absolute idiot and put attention back on the movie and specifically Jane Campion's direction in the film, but the responses that that has um, risen up from that out of particularly Jane Campion last night at the DGA awards, but also like Jesse Plemons. Um, I don't know if you saw that Scott, his, his like response to it as well. Just like top class stuff. Jesse Plemons just saying that he saw Sam Elliott's criticism and it made him laugh. (laughs) I I could totally see Jesse Plemons just saying that exact thing. Just like, yeah. Yeah. And then Jane Campion calling Sam Elliott a bitch last night. Oh yeah. I mean, Jane Campion absolutely bodied him. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, ended him um last night at the dgas which was just he's not a cowboy he's an actor just oh man yeah how do you think how do you think mark maron feels in all this right because mark maron is the person on the other side of the mic yeah uh, he has to interview everyone yeah 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 i i mean he's i mean he's he's, such a such a professional that he like yeah he's such a pro he's been doing it He's been doing it for so long like he probably has seen worse and will see worse um but like yeah, you have to imagine him sitting behind the mic when all this is going on, being like, "Yep, I've got a gold mine right here. Like this yeah. is about to be something." So, fire so up if Twitter. Jane Camp- if Jane Campion wins the power, yeah. uh, wins best director, she should thank Mark Maron in her acceptance speech. I guess is what I'm saying because for being so, again, professional, good at his job, and just getting Sam Elliott to be so forthright about all of this because. Was um, he interviewing Sam Elliott? Uh, he was interviewing Sam Elliott. That's right. Yeah, it was on it was, it was on Mark Maron's podcast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Wow. Yeah, it was on. Talk WTF. about staring into the sun. Oh my goodness. So there you go. Like I said, she should she should thank him for helping her win the Oscar. She should not thank him for being in the motion picture Joker. Um, but uh, I agree with you, Scott. Jane Campion, I think, is going to win this. Um, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I might have said that Kenneth Branagh had a chance to challenge her, but I don't know. I just kind of think that the stock has has declined a little bit for Belfast. Um, I don't hear people talking about it as much. I feel like maybe Coda has kind of taken over Belfast's spot as like yeah. the feel good, you know, drama that is going I would to agree with that. you know try to ride a popular wave to the number one spot because the power of the dog is not really a popular choice for best picture right now. Um, like it is the movie that is probably going to win, but in terms it's not of not the feel good choice, that's for sure. Yes. It's not the audience 
it's not the movie that the mass audiences probably would prefer to see when, but yeah, um, probably screenplays, Scott, um, maybe a little bit of ambiguity about what's going to happen here. Um, let's start with adapted screenplay. What do you think is going to win in this category? Yeah, sorry, I got to pull up. I got to pull up the list. What who who is nominated exactly for the? What are the five for adapted screenplay? For adapted screenplay, I believe we have uh, Coda. We have uh, Drive My Car. Uh, we have what else? Uh, I'm totally blanking. Uh, we have Dune, right? Uh, yeah, have... Dune's in there. Lost we don't daughter. have uh, the lost daughter and the yeah, power of the, the last duel, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog. Um, you know, if you'd asked me last week, I would have said for sure The Lost Daughter is going to win this. Like this is going to be The Lost Daughter Award. Um, and there's no reason, I guess, to think that that hasn't changed really, because I believe Maggie Gyllenhaal one last i mean the indie spirit is literally no indication whatsoever for the oscars i guess but she did win i think she won a screenplay for the indie spirit awards i think she was yeah, recognized she maybe this weekend as well in one of the awards i'm for, like it's the best first feature maybe i don't that might not be right um this and i might be making that up um i mean my heart w- would want drive my car to win this because I just think that is just such a spectacular piece of adaptation. Um, personally, I think it's probably the best one of the year, in my opinion. Not even probably. It is the best one of the year, in my opinion. Um, but then there's Coda, which won Best Adapted Screenplay at the BAFTAs um, earlier today, which gives me pause. But I'm going to go with The Lost Daughter. I'm going to do it, and I'm and I'm basing this mainly again off of the fact that I think the Academy will spread awards around, and so I don't think The Power of the Dog is going to win Adapted Screenplay, although I could be wrong. Um, I don't think Coda is the right pick for this, personally. Um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to win its award with Troy Kotzer. And I just think The Power of the Dog, again, winning those two big awards, I think it's going to take it away from its chances at other ones further down the list. Uh, maybe I'm putting too much stock into that, but I think that's true. If Dune wins this award, Scott, look, I'll be happy. It was my favorite movie of 2021. What a weird choice uh, to not nominate Denis Villeneuve, but then award him an original uh, best ad- adapted screenplay. Like, I'm glad Denis Villeneuve would get an Oscar, but just like, what a weird way um, for that movie to get a major Oscar. Um, it'd be really, yeah. it'd be really strange to me. I mean, great. It's a great piece of adaptation. I do love it. I think it's great, but it's just not where I'd be awarding this movie. Yeah, I I agree with you there. And again, there's a couple of screenplays that I would have liked to see in there over the ones that are. So I might even Dune would probably be one of the ones that I would want to even bump out. But um, yeah, I, I was just trying to think back like recent best picture winner, like I guess just recent Oscars in general, have they really spread the wealth around a little bit? You know, Parasite was one which did kind of sweep like it won screenplay at one director and it won. Um, yeah, I best mean, picture, I believe. Jojo Rabbit then last adapted year, screenplay in 2019, but Parasite was an original screenplay. So that's yeah, yeah. Last year, however, Nomadland like did not win screenplay, right? Like uh, the it lost to the father it out for adapted screenplay. So yeah, um, it didn't sweep. Um, yeah, I, I think you know for the sake of being different. So did you say Power of the Dog ultimately? No, I said The Lost Daughter. Okay, so for this, I thought you did. So for the sake of being different, I'm going to say Power of the Dog, sure. um, just to complete the trifecta of 
screenplay director picture. Um, but I do agree with you. If it's not going to be the power of the dog, the lost daughter, um, you know, would be the one. And it would be cool to see that win. Cool to see Maggie Gyllenhaal um, get that on her first attempt. Um, I, you know, I say that. Is there still a chance for Drive My Car? Maybe. I, I don't know. Like it. It's going to get its Oscar with Best International Feature. But yeah, I don't know that it has. I just don't think anyone's talking about that film in this category. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know that necessarily. I think the HBO Max run maybe came a little bit too late in the game for it. But because like the votes have kind of already been submitted like a week ago or something. But I'll, I'll scream. I'll scream, Scott, if it wins. If it wins adapted screenplay, it'll be amazing. Well, we'll be watching it together. So I guess I will scream, too. Well, um, you can just listen to my scream if you want, but you can also scream. You'll be allowed to scream as well. <laughs> original screenplay, Scott. Uh, we have Licorice Pizza. We have The Worst Person in the World. We have Don't Look Up, King Richard, uh, and Belfast. Uh, what do you think is going to win Best Original Screenplay? Uh, King Richard. I'm kidding. No, not King Richard. Um... <laughs> Could you imagine? If it uh, does. I mean... Ugh. <laughs> You know, I'm gosh, this is this is just not the category I want to look at. I mean, li sure, licorice pizza, that's fine. Worst person in the world, great. But just like I have so many other films I'd rather put in this category. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure you do as well. It's not I'm preaching to the choir here. You know, I I kind of think I think PTA is gonna get it. I think he got the he got original screenplay um la like this morning at, at the Baptist, I'm pretty sure. Um and I I think he probably will here. I just, I just don't see them giving it to the worst person in the world. Um, but I mean, that'd be. Could you imagine, Scott, if the two screenplay winners are are international films? Like that'd be crazy. I mean, awesome and deserving, but crazy. Um, I think that would be just pretty wild. And I just think that Don't Look Up is gonna be firing blanks. Uh, I don't think Oscars. that PTA did win. I think I saw that he lost to something else. No, you know uh, what? It, he did win. He, I think he did win the BAFTA. Maybe he did just lose the Critics' Choice Award. Um, yeah, to Belfast. Belfast won the Critics' Choice Award, which Whatever. is stupidity. But, um, yeah, maybe he did win the BAFTA. I'm not sure, but I agree with you. Actually, I was going to say I think this is it. PTA has never won an Academy Award. And it's complete nonsense that that is the case. Um, and it would, you know, as much as I love Licorice Pizza and think it's one of his two two or three best films, like, I think it would be kind of weird if he wins, if his first Oscar is for, you know, his screenplay for Licorice Pizza. After, you know, you directing no argument Movie Nights and There Will Be Blood and The Master and like all these, you know, incredible. I mean, and Licorice Pizza, again, is right alongside those it's just like you pass them you know you, you pass it up for you pass all those movies up for licorice pizza which is like one of the least oscar-y movies that he has made like there will be blood the master you know those are all sure. phantom thread those are all like oscar player like big time oscar and again movies. like a screenplay is just not is not the category i would have nominated licorice pizza and i mean i know that we feel differently on this matter but like that's yeah. just not the category i would point to and be like licorice pizza deserves awards in this category I just think that's a bit of a strange one personally. Um, but I think it's going to happen probably. 
Well, that would be great. Again, it's my favorite movie of the year, so I want to see it win an Oscar, um, regardless of what it is. And if that means PTA gets his first Oscar as well, long overdue as far as I'm concerned. Um, well, Will Smith won't get to choose what movie he finally won an Oscar for. PTA won't either. And look, Leonardo Chastain. DiCaprio, the goat Leonardo DiCaprio, didn't get to pick his one either. But he finally got yeah. it on the line. Jessica Chastain didn't get, you know, Zero Dark Thirty or Molly's Game. She's going to get. Well, she definitely didn't deserve it for Molly's Game, but Zero Dark Thirty. No, but I'm saying those are the better movies, right? Again, if she was to go back through her career and say, these are the movies that I would have wanted to win for. (laughs) Not not X-Men, Dark Phoenix or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, probably her worst performance, but um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Best Picture, Scott. Power of the Dog. Uh, the dog will be powerful in the big awards. Um, I think it's going to sweep director and best picture for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even like the world's biggest Power of the Dog fan, but like if this movie lost to Coda, I would. It would not be not be good. Uh, what if it lost to Dune, Scott? Give me the sandworms. That baby. would be fine. I like Dune more, so I would be yeah. I'd be okay with that. I, but you keep trying to speak this into existence, Scott. I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. I don't think that it's what even if it in did? the realm of possibility. What if it did, though? What if it did? You know, we order we order another pizza and we and we let the night ride. What if Nightmare Alley wins Best Picture? I mean, let's be reasonable, Scott. <laughs> if Nightmare Alley won Best Picture, I think they might legitimately never have the Oscars again if that happened. No. Like, I no, think that would just they won't Golden much. Globes. It, I don't think. Guillermo I, mean, I guess they technically had the Golden Globe Awards this year. Second straight Best Picture win. <laughs> the, yeah, the Oscars will just will just tweet their winners next year. They they won't even have a ceremony. People will still get mad. They'll still do something stupid that's worth getting mad over. But um, there you have it. I agree, Scott. Power of the Dog is going to win Best Picture. Put your money on it, um, or don't. I feel. I feel. What do you think? Or do you feel? More, less, or about the same level of confidence in saying that as you did saying Nomadland would win last year? Mm, less confident. I, I a agree. Little bit less confident. Slightly less confident, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't even remember what the other contender was last year with Nomadland. Was there even one? Um, The Father, maybe? or Nah, I don't think so. I feel like there's something we're forgetting about. but I mean, would Ma Rainey's Black Bottom be the movie? That was, was that even nominated for best picture? Uh, maybe not. I don't remember. I don't. I don't know that it was. I actually think it wasn't. But um, yeah, I don't know. Twenty twenty was a weird year. I'm just having trouble remembering even what movies came out. But um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I, I think I feel slightly less confident just because the Coda wave is strong right now, and like there's and don't was get, it Child of Chicago gonna... Seven? Was that was that yes, the second? Yeah, I, th- contender? I think that was probably the one we were talking about. Or, okay. you know, Mank was in there, I guess, but I don't know that Mank really had a chance. But, Mank um, it down. but, uh, but Mank was dank. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel slightly less confident. And I know, Scott, you're going to say 2% of the population or whatever on Twitter, but, um, I true? see a lot more people talking about Coda, like trying to boost Coda into the stratosphere. So that is the only That's thing true. that gives me some pause about saying wholeheartedly power of the dog, but I still think it's going to be. The winner in the end yeah just got the I mean, look, th- those people on twitter signal boosting for for coda are not in the academy but you're not wrong thankfully yeah 
thankfully. Um, all yeah, right, yeah. Scott, anything else you want to add before we wrap up this episode? Yeah, I just want to at you and say that you said we were talking about seven, the big seven, but I'm pretty sure we talked about eight awards. Um, so check check the count on that. Math, it's hard. Yeah, you're right. It was a oops. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's uh, it. That's all I got. That'll do it. <laughs> Happy yeah. March Madness, I guess. I don't know. On that note, yeah, enjoy enjoy March Madness. Uh, enjoy March Madness, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have and you'd like to support us, don't forget about our Patreon page at Patreon.com/slash Media Plug Pods. Uh, even if you can't support us over there, however, don't forget to rate, review, like, subscribe, do all the things that you do on your preferred podcast app. And we hope you that you will be back for our next episode of the podcast, in which special guest Paul Oyama will be joining us for the fourth annual Some Like It Scott Awards. It's going to be a great time uh, saying goodbye and putting a bow on the year 2021 in film so make sure and join us for that and thank you for joining us today until next time for scott shelton i'm scott harvey we'll see you down the road